It is class time. And we normally go straight into the lesson, but you know, I'm all about shaking things up. Amen. So we're going to go straight into prayer first. Um, we have had texts and calls and stuff with people just coming under attack. And I was just going to pray over this with the ELT. But y'all are family, and family is supposed to lift up each other. That's, that's the whole point of having family, is coming together and lifting each other up. So if you will, just join me in prayer um, for lifting up the body, each other, those of us that are here and those of us that are still coming this morning. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the beauty of this day, and we thank you for the beauty of you and your ways. And, Lord, we thank you that we have family surrounding us, and when everything just seems like it is chaos, when it seems like the storm is raging, we thank you that we can lay there in peace like Jesus did, knowing that you have it, knowing that you are calming the winds and the waves, and we just call it done. We say, waves and wind, you calm. You peace be still in our lives in Jesus' name. We thank you that you are always leading us to triumph, and we thank you that if it is not your word, it is not truth, so we don't listen to it. We stand on your truth alone, and we thank you for it. And we lift up our loved ones today, the ones that are under attack and those that aren't. We thank you that they are lifted up to you and just covered by your blood. A bloodline blood of protection is all around them, and we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All righty. Done. Well, we are doing whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop is just fun to say. It's not even ties and offerings time. Um, so we've been doing a discipleship class, which Andrew Womack puts out. And the whole point is to show people that anybody can disciple. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and get people saved and then leave them. Because then they would just kind of be thrown to the wolves. Um, what, what he said was, go and make disciples. Teach people. And the great thing is, is if we teach people, if we disciple others and they disciple others, if we'd have been doing that the whole time, this world would already be saved because it multiplies. And so that's what these classes are that we've been doing it. And that's why we've been doing multiple people doing it because we want you to see that it's not just Pastor Brian that disciples. It's you and I. It's every one of us that disciple others, not just in church, but in the street, at home, at work, at the grocery store. This is what we are supposed to do as a child of God is to go preach the good news and make disciples. So today's lesson is on integrity of God's word, and it's, it's super complicated. I have to read these notes. You see how hard this is? Anybody can do this. That's why Brian let me do it. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Integrity of God's word. Mark 4 is a tremendous chapter about the integrity of God's word, the power, the character, and the faith in it. There were at least 10 parables taught during this one day. You have to compare Mark 4 with Matthew 13 and Luke 8 to come up with that. There were a number of parables, one of which was about the sower sowing seed. If you'll put up Mark 4:26, it says, And he was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. 
Remember that in verse 14, it says that the seed is the word of God. God isn't really teaching you about how to be a farmer, but is using a natural thing to illustrate spiritual truth. And in verse 27, he says, And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts and grows. How he himself doesn't know. Now, I believe it's important. It says that man doesn't really understand. He doesn't know how this is happening. Some people will say, I just don't understand what you're talking about. How can reading the word of God really change me and cause God's life to come alive inside of me? I don't totally understand it, but I know it works. I don't understand how you can put a tiny seed in the ground and have an entire stalk of corn come up with ears of corn on it and reproduce a hundredfold. Nobody fully understands it, but it works. I tell you, this is the truth. Reading God's word, letting it begin to saturate you, changes your attitude, your experiences, and your perceptions. Verse 28 tells us the soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. It says the earth was made to incubate seeds and to germinate and release that life. Your heart was made for the word of God. It really was. God's word was created to be placed in your heart. Just taking a Bible and holding it close, putting it on your coffee table and carrying it with you doesn't have any virtue. It doesn't release power in, in your life. You have to take the word, make it a seed, plant it in your heart. When you do that, your heart is designed to bring forth fruit itself. It will automatically change the way things work in your life. The verse continues. First the blade, then the ear. After that, the full corn in the ear. This implies that there are stages or steps to growth and maturity. People come to me all the time expressing that they're believing God for something really good. A godly thing that I can agree with. But if they have never done anything, or if they've never led a person to the Lord, I can guarantee that they aren't going to have a television or a radio ministry just within the next few weeks. You have to do things in steps. There are stages to receiving from God, and that's what this parable is illustrating. First of all, you have to start. Then comes the hope. Then the faith. Then it produces results. There are always steps to victory. No one is going to go from zero to a thousand miles an hour all at once. Though it may be a godly desire, it isn't going to work that way. The scripture is showing that the kingdom of God is like a seed. The word has to be planted in your heart and growth comes in stages. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. The next verse is saying, but when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth it in the sickle, because the harvest is come. There are stages, but eventually there will come a time for fruitfulness and maturity. This point is made in verse 35, which tells us, On that day, when evening came, he said to them, Let us go to the other side. Jesus had been teaching them all day about the power of the word, how the word is like a seed, and how it will release God's life in your life. He'd been teaching them this in at least 10 parables. So here he gives them the test. He tells them, all right, here's the word from the Lord. 
let us go to the other side of this lake. He didn't say, let's get into the boat, go halfway across the lake and drown. But let's go to the other side. Then he got into the boat. He went to sleep. The story goes that a great storm came and water filled the boat. You have to remember that this wasn't a cabin cruiser with berths below the deck where Jesus was dry and didn't know what was going on. It was an open boat and Jesus was asleep, sloshing around in the water. This was significant because he knew what was going on, but he was still trying to sleep. He was still resting. The disciples got upset, came to him and said, Master, don't you care that we perish? In other words, they're saying, do something. Get a pail. Bail the water. Row. Do something, Jesus. You're not pulling your weight. How many times have y'all said that? I know I have. Many times people do the same thing with God today and say, God, why haven't you done something? God has done something. He's provided everything that we need through the atonement of the Lord Jesus. He has produced his word and given us all these seeds. It's our job to sow them in our hearts. Did y'all hear that? It is our job to sow the seeds in our hearts. He's given us the scripture, and it's our job to take the seed, put it in our hearts, and meditate on it until it releases life. You don't just go out to your garden and plant a seed and then walk away. You do that, and what's going to happen? Likely nothing. You may get a little sprout here or there, but if you don't water it, if you don't make sure that it's getting sunlight, you don't pull the weeds, it's going to get choked out. It's going to die because it doesn't have the nourishment it needs. We have to plant the seed of God's word in our heart and then meditate it. Water it with our prayers, with our meditation. But the disciples wanted to wake Jesus up and say, why don't you do something? He got up rebuked the wind and the waves, and there was calm. Then he turned around and said to the disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? He didn't say, Hey, guys, I'm sorry, I should have done something. No, it was his part to teach them the word of God and give them promises. It was their part to take the word and believe the promises. God has provided everything through Jesus coming to this earth. He gave you everything it takes to succeed in every area of your life in seed form in the word. All you have to do is take the seeds of the word of God, plant them in your hearts through reading, meditating on it, thinking on it, letting it take root on the inside of you. As you do that, you'll be able to stand up and stop the storms in your life. I believe God's best was for these disciples to take the teaching Jesus gave them that day and say, Let's go over to the other side. They could have said, according to everything he's taught us, this is a promise. This is the creator of the universe who said, let's go to the other side and not let's go halfway and drown. They have taken that word, mixed it with faith, and rebuked the wind and the waves. That's exactly what Je- why Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? You know what? We need to believe God's word and act on it. You know, so many people call us, and it's good. You should call your pastor, and how you know when you need help, you should call your shepherd because God gives him insight. He gives him words 
to minister to you. But how many of us see the lightning or hear the thunder and it's like, oh, oh, a storm's coming. And we panic and we run to the phone. Oh, pastor, when it's, it's here. I am always leading you to triumph. Oh, <laughs> there's thunder and lightning. That's cute. He thinks he can shake me. Mm-hmm. My word said he is always leading me to triumph. My word says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So while there may be storms around, Jesus is sitting here resting with me. I don't need to call somebody to have them pray Jesus in, have them pray the Holy Spirit in. He is with you every moment of every day, whether you're asleep or waking up or taking a shower or going to work or dealing with a broken down car or you know, all hell breaking loose, Jesus is there. And he is saying that I am leading you to triumph. So what we have to do is we have to step back. I don't care what the thunder is saying, what the lightning is saying. I don't care that it looks like all hell is breaking loose because I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. So that's when we speak to our storms, just like Jesus did. Those disciples had every bit of power that Jesus did. They could have spoken to that storm and said, shut up. My Lord and Savior's trying to sleep. Hush. And the wind and the waves would have listened to them. Because they would have been speaking in that faith, in that confidence, that they know that Jesus just taught them, you have this power. The same power that is within me is within you. That's what Jesus has said to you. The same power that is within me is within each and every one of you, regardless of age or anything, regardless of how long you've been saved. Man, woman, person that sits in the pew, or person that preaches, it doesn't matter. You have the power to look at the storms and say, hush, the peace of God reigns in my life. And it has to listen. All right. So we have a couple of questions. And I'm going to need a couple of volunteers. And you might as well just go ahead and volunteer. Because you know I'm going to call you if you don't. So let's have Seth do Matthew 13, 19. Matthew 13, 19. You don't have to look it up. We're going to put it on the board for you. So it's in big letters. And then we're going to need Joshua 1, 8. Who likes Joshua. We thought about naming Luke Joshua, but we already had a nephew named Joshua. All right. Thank you, George. George. And then John 6.63. This one's a good one. It's a short one. Jeff, thank you. Matthew 4.4. 4. <laughs> okay. Deb. Ephesians 6.17. You want to do that one, Chris? Thank you. And then two more. Romans 8.6. You want to do one, Prilla? And 2 Corinthians 3.18. Can I do that one? Awesome. All right. Matthew 13.19. Come on up. That's you. I found it. Okay. Well, read it. (laughs) That one's a little different than that one, though. That's because maybe. Everybody else is reading that one. Maybe because I'm on the wrong one. No, it's a different. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away 
what has been sown into his heart. This is the one who, on whom seed was sown beside the road. Okay, your question is, if we don't plant God's word into our hearts, what will happen? Come and snatch it away. Boom. Thank you, Seth. All right, Joshua, 1-8. James Earl Jones, I mean George. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. You ready? This is a hard one. When should we meditate on God's word? Night and day. Oh, man, that was stumper. Day and night. <laughs> All right, John six sixty three, Jeffrey. Thank you. Uh, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. All right. So in this scripture, God's word is what? Life. And spirit. And spirit. <laughs> I meant to say that. <laughs> Matthew four four. These are in all capitals. Does that mean I get to yell? Please. Yeah. Get right ahead. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Okay, now your answer is in all caps. Okay. So we're not supposed to live by physical food alone, but by the word of God that proceeds out of his mouth. Good job. All right, Chris, Ephesians six seventeen. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God's word is what weapon? Sword. Awesome. I like that one. I like swords. You can go whoosh, whoosh. All right. Can a sword do damage to its enemy? Yeah, that's why I like the sword. You've got the sword. If you don't have a sword, let me know because we've got them to pass out. All right, 8-6. Six. 8-6. Six. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Okay. When we give proper place to God's word in our lives, we will have life and peace. Awesome, and in the right order, too. <laughs> All right, Jade, 2 Corinthians 3.18. Okay. But we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as from the Lord the Spirit. Okay. What we set our attention on is what we become full of. What should we set our focus on? the Lord and his glory. Awesome. We do. Y'all are smartical in so many ways. Kidneys, man. Yep. Y'all, the purpose of these are to teach. I mean, really, anybody can do this. Anybody can teach and train up disciples. 
because the thing is we already have the tools we already have the weapons we need so when you go to work or you go out and you see a friend and I guarantee you will ask 10 people this week how you doing at least six of them and that's being generous or conservative at least six of them are gonna say well and then you're gonna get a spill about how their day because people want to complain I have just discovered this and I've not just discovered this but I've just been it's been meditating just recently people want to complain they want to whine and moan and groan go stand at your checkout line at whatever store you go to and look at any of those you know trash racks standing beside your check your checkout you got the national Enquirer and the people and us and whoever else i forget what all does national Enquirer still print does it okay okay well any bit of it all those papers it's all trash and it's all people complaining you know jennifer aniston she called Bo Cephas, whoever her latest boyfriend is, with another woman. This girl's having this problem. You know, it's all, the world complains. And unfortunately, Christians do as well. Because we forget we've already got the answers. We forget we've got the sword. And the thing is, we don't have to have our Bible with us day and night, holding it around. Something happens, it's like, I'm ready with my sword. The fact of the matter is we're supposed to have this sword written on our hearts. So when we get attacked with the attacks of the world and the enemy tries to come at us, we've got the word of God. We've got the sword ready, sharp, to slice it right down the middle. This is what we're supposed to do. This is why we need to sow the word in our hearts. This is why we need to be here. When the church doors are open, this is why we need to sow the word in ourselves. Get up 30 minutes earlier or turn the TV off before you go to bed and take 30 minutes to read the word with your spouse or by yourself. Get the word in your heart. We want to know why is life so hard? It's because you don't pick up the easy button. That's really what it is. We let the distractions get in the way. We let, you know... TV, come on. Oh, I need to watch the news. Why? Why do you need to watch the news? If it's not the word of God, it doesn't really matter. Now, do we need to know what to pray against? We sure do. And this is definitely a week we need to be praying. But I guarantee you, if you put the word forth first, he'll tell you what you need to pray on. He'll tell you what you need to know. It's summertime. It's going to be hot. There's your weather report. It's winter. It's going to be cold. Dress accordingly. If you get up in the morning... I'm just so tired. Super. Before your cup of coffee or with your cup of coffee, pick up the word of God. It will rejuvenate you like nothing. Caffeine has nothing on the word of God. But as you start to put this word as a priority in your life, your sword gets sharpened. And it can cut any attack that comes against you. That's what we have to understand. We have to understand that God's word is so important in our lives. It's not just words on a page. It's not just lovely little parables about a farmer sowing seed. It's the word of God that was sent by the creator of heaven and earth to tell you how to defeat this world. It's the word of God to lead you to triumph day after day. And that's an awesome thing. When you realize that you do have a cheat sheet. 
You have an instruction manual. You have an easy button. You just have to pick it up. And if anybody doesn't have one, you need to let us know because we will make sure that you walk out of here with one today. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you told us that as the winds and the waves kick up and try to scare us and try to knock us around, that we have the power within us to tell them to be still. We have the power within us to calm them, to make them line up with your word. And Lord, I thank you that you have given us that wisdom so that we can go out and share it with others. So that when people look at us and they're like, doesn't matter what's going on in your life, you are always peaceful. You are always calm. Tell me how you do this. And we can tell them about your love and your authority that is in our lives. Thank you for the honor of being able to do that. The honor of being able to bless others with the knowledge that you have given us. And Father, we thank you for it. We praise you for this day. We praise you for your word. And I thank you for each and every person that is here and that is watching on live stream. I thank you that that power is within them. That love is, is within them. And you are with them every step of every day. Never leaving them. Never forsaking them. But giving your all for them. And we praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go park some cars and hug some people. See you at 11.